And we are live. Welcome to OBR Weekly. Hello, Browns fans. This is OBR Weekly for June 1st, 2021. My name is Barry McBride. I am back from vacation. I'm a web dork, and I continue to be powered by, as always, manly. Yeah, there it is on camera, briefly. Yeah, manly black coffee. Uh, I will try in vain to keep this thing rolling for the next uh, hour or so. And alongside me is uh, a stalwart of the Cleveland Browns scene for well nigh these last 20 years, Mr. Freddie Greetham. How's it going, Fred? Going great. That's good Ready to hear. Ready to go after uh, a week hiatus. Yes, we had a week hiatus as I was uh, off in uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line and uh, re returned successfully. Uh, from there, had a great time, uh, and if we run out of Brown's questions, I will talk at length about my vacation. So that's a oh, warning boy. to uh, send in Brown's Brown's questions, or else we uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, things that are extremely boring. We got a couple, and I brought a whole bunch from uh, the OBR uh, from over the last couple of weeks. And uh, you may be wondering, there's only uh, two of us tonight. The third is Lane Atkins. He is uh, currently working with Spectrum Internet to uh, get himself wired back up to the internets again. And uh, Spectrum Internet is taking their time. So uh, he does not have internet access at the moment. So you're stuck with Fred and me, but we'll do our best to keep you entertained and informed. Um, you may think, if you're out there, that this being early June, that there's no news and you'd be largely right, but we've got a couple things going on. Uh, Fred, one of the things we've got going on is off-season training activities, uh, which started up today with a number of veterans in attendance. Uh, most of the media waited for the Browns to post photos on their website and then reported that uh, various veterans were there. Uh, we actually had that information a few hours earlier in Rumor Central, and you had guys like Miles Garrett, Malik Jackson, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, Ronnie Harrison, Mac Wilson, Anthony Walker, and Jacob Phillips, who were all there, in addition to guys like Andrew Billings, uh, who uh, appeared uh, and uh, uh, was living large, uh, according to the photographs that we saw today. Uh, Fred, you know, that's a, that's a lot of veterans, and we had uh, J.C. Treader our center and NFLPA president uh, talking about how uh, this is voluntary and veterans that shouldn't have to be there and uh, really not wanting too many veterans to show up. Uh, were you surprised at any of these names that appeared yesterday or uh, earlier today? Well, I'm not really surprised, but I am a little bit with Miles Garrett. I mean, here's a guy who got paid last year, 250 million. And I think, um, you know, or I guess 125 million, either way, it's more than you can spend. But, um, you look at, you look at usually guys like that kind of like, well, you know, I don't really need to do this. And then they take the other aspect of, you know, Hey, I owe something to the organization. You know, I don't think he needs the work in June, you know, necessarily to do what he does. But I think, they're walking a real fine line, the Browns are, because J.C. Treader is the NFLPA rep, mm -hmm. and he's wanting them not to come. Then you have guys that really need to be here because they're going to get cut if they don't, for sure. You know, these guys at the bottom of the roster, and that are, you know, like guys like even Mac Wilson. You know, they drafted two, two linebackers, and he was already on thin ice, I feel. And... Mm -hmm. You know, the Dearness Johnson, you bring in a running back in the draft. And so how can you tell them guys not to show up when you're just kind of, you know, making just just so you don't get a veteran mad at you that if you're not on the team, it isn't going to matter. You're sitting at home or looking for a job like regular people. So, right, right. you know, you're trying to get guys not to come. And I get that. But veterans that are entrenched they don't they don't really want the necessarily the young guys to to catch the eye of the coach and push push them off the roster whereas right. um you know guys like last year 
it really was a major disadvantage for the undrafted free agents for sure, because they didn't get to play in any games preseason. All they did was have training camp and the whole training camp, the coaches were trying to get the starters ready for the season. So unless you were drafted, you probably weren't going to make the team unless you really, you know, or like AJ green that they paid a lot of money to, to get him to come there. So yeah, I, I expect it to be mostly like the rookie mini camp with, you know, a few of these guys maybe sprinkled in. But I don't know how the nuance came down with the Miles Garrett. There had to have been, you know, they're they're probably a major group chat and they're all saying, well, okay, you go, you don't go, or or how they went about doing that. Cause I don't think anybody's telling Miles Garrett, you're not going, man. You gotta stay home. You know, right. he's gonna do what he wants to do. And so that's where they're at. They kind of have a lot of, they got a lot of decisions to make, especially if you're not an entrenched starter. Yeah. And Garrett's an interesting case because, you know, he absolutely fits a profile of a guy who does not need to show up to this OTA session, right? He is guaranteed his role. Uh, he's got lots of money. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's facing no threat to his position. You just have to think that maybe Garrett's just fired up. You know, he wants to get out there. The people are talking about him as defensive player of the year. You know, this is going to be his year as uh, we have improved play in the secondary. We have uh, a couple of threats on the other end from the defensive end. Really, things are lining up for Miles Garrett. And you just think, boy, this guy's just itching to get back onto the field. That's the only way I can, only reason I could think that he's showing up this year. Yeah, you know, and also you don't know all the the things with injuries that could occur away from the facility and mm-hmm. and some of your contracts. You know, he's talking about pretty big contract nowadays. And, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, the, the tackle from Broncos, you know, it tore his ACL working away from the facility, and now they're talking, well, you're not going to get paid. Well, these guys got to work out and they got to stay in shape and – they, they don't want to take a chance on doing some football activity and getting hurt and, and losing right. a paycheck. So it's, like I said, it's a fine line, you know, it's, it's how much influence, you know, the, like a guy like Treader and then some of the veterans and I'm sure on the defensive side, Miles Garrett is looked to as maybe not the captain, but sure, certainly the leader of the defense. And I think some of these other guys, you know, might say, you know, maybe I better reconsider going to the OTA. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some questions on this a little bit later that we'll get to a little bit later uh, about uh, the decisions to come into the OTAs this year. Uh, But our second news item has to do with Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, He was back in the news over the holiday weekend uh, releasing a hype video that, among other things, showed him cutting and making wide receiver type moves uh, and admittedly, he looked pretty good in that I've been very skeptical about him coming back and immediately coming back to his old form, you know, in game one and all that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> Fred, are you buying it at this point that Odell's going to be back and, uh, uh, you know, say 95% of what he was before he got injured? Yeah, I am. I mean, you know, used to be. Back in the old days, an ACL was pretty much a career injury. You know, you're done. And if mm-hmm. you're a speedster, you never had your speed again. Technology's unbelievable. And these guys are coming back stronger than they were before. And everything I saw, and it, yeah, the videos, I'm not a Photoshop guy. I don't know what you can do, you know, to doctor, but I don't think, you know, you need what good does that do? We're going to see once he gets out there. But they're going to bring him along slow and just try to get him ready for, you know, by the start of the season. But I think that, I think he's probably the average, the average guy that plays weekend flag football would be playing by now. Whereas, you know, he's going to not play until the games count. So, right. But, but yeah. And I think that, I think he's really got to be hungry. You know, he Mm -hmm. saw what the team did when he went down. I mean, in his own mind, I almost, you know, human nature, somebody that caliber would have said, the team's done when I'm out, you know, and then Mm -hmm. to see, 
you know, go 11 and five in the regular season and go two games into the playoffs. He's, he had to have been chomping at the bit. If that's really his goal, which he's talked about since he's been here, is getting to the playoffs and playing on a winning team, then he should come in all in and not cause a ripple, not cause intention. That'll be hard for him because everybody gravitates to him. But right. as far as to just fit in, not be upset if he doesn't get 10 catches a game, and just help the team win because this team has proved they can win without him. And they need to just continue and add another element instead of up until he was hurt, it was almost like they were forcing him the ball. And I think Mayfield grew in the second half of the season in comfort in the system and realized, you know, I don't have to throw it to 13 10 times a game and not – Force it. If it's there, I go to it. If it's not, I go to Chubb or Hooper or Landry or Hunt or a half a dozen other weapons. So I think that I think that will be permanent. I don't think he's going to go right back to forcing the ball every down to Beckham or locking in on him. And so Beckham, I think, will come back hungry to prove that he's still got it and he can be a difference maker, as we all know. And I think that speed element there are certain games you saw really they were missing it. The Chiefs yeah. game, you know, for sure. They had nobody that could go deep. Nobody really other than Peoples Jones. Um, but no no threat that scared the Chiefs. And and I think right. Beckham can be that. All right. Uh, I agree with that. And, of course, uh, Mr. Schwartz uh, is going to be interesting this year. And Mr. Natson uh, as well. Uh, is uh, back healthy, so maybe they do have that speed threat uh, down the field um, this year. Uh, I uh, I think Beckham has a lot of uh, bulletin board material he can read if he wants. Like just this morning in the Newswire, I linked a uh, story about the best wide receiver duos in the NFL, right? And I fully expected that. Um, Landry and uh, Beckham would be top three, right? They didn't even list them because of Beckham. They say that they're cynical about Beckham's uh, stats last year and all that. I think that he can find lock or bulletin board material all over the internet. Lots of people doubting him right now, and uh, you have to think he is hungry uh, to prove them all wrong. Uh, news item number three. It's not really a big news item, but. Uh, I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, Brian Baldinger, who is uh, an NFL Network commentator, uh, over the weekend was saying that the Browns' offensive line is the best in the NFL. He called it the gold standard. So, Fred, my question to you is, do you agree that the Browns have the best offensive line in the NFL? And uh, can you think of any weak link in that line, in the starting uh, starting five, or in the uh, uh, further down the depth chart. Well, I I haven't studied offensive lines like guys like Sobo or Jake Burns and those guys do, but you know, in just in just looking at names and so forth, I think they're right up there, top three. I mean, last year the offense, the rushing game, I think a lot of the credit goes to the offensive line and. They averaged 148 yards a game, third in the NFL, and they were first for quite a while. It doesn't hurt that you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but I think right. the offensive line up there, I think Jedrick Wills will be better in second year. I think he was just finding his way, but did a decent job as a rookie. Conklin should even be, you know, as good if not better. I think Wyatt Teller will get better, and Batonio is a pro bowler almost every year. To me, the weak link, if there is one, is J.C. Treader. I don't know if he's a Pro Bowl caliber guy. I think he's the glue that holds it together because he's, you know, smart, can call the plays and do all the things there. But, um, you know, I could see, you know, them grooming Nick Harris, you know, to take over after this year. 
And that's the good thing. The Browns have now entered the the stage where they're grooming guys to replace guys. You you drafted James Hudson in the fourth round. A lot of people say, why in the world did you draft a tackle? Well, Bill Callahan seems to work wonders with these guys. I think that's overlooked. I think he's the best offensive line coach in the NFL. And they might not have the best players, but I think that they have the best coach. And I think they're going to be one of the top three or four, if not the best. But Hudson, and then you got Chris Hubbard, who should be coming back from his ACL, but he's at, he's the fourth highest paid guy on the offensive line right now, just about $5 million a year. And so they're grooming a guy maybe to replace him, whether it be Hudson for short term or Drew Forbes, who was a guy, if you think back before he opted out, Callahan was talking about, through Lane was talking about it, that, that Forbes and T- Teller were going to battle for the starting right guard job. And so that tells you if Teller, as good as he played last year, if Forbes is even in that conversation, that bodes well that you have a guy like that waiting in the wings, mm-hmm. whether somebody gets injured or moves on after this season. So, you know, it'll. I'm interested to see how it plays out, but more than anything, I'm glad that they're coming back intact. You know, all 11 starters from last year are back, and I, I don't – ever remember that in the 30 plus years I've covered the Browns, there's always been a change through retirement or draft Mm. or something. All the offensive starters are returning and the key backups at all the positions. You think of Chris Hubbard, you think of Drew Forbes, you think of Nick Harris, you think of the tight ends, Harrison Bryant, David Njoko, wide receivers behind Landry and Beckham, you got four or five all back. And then the running back got Kareem Hunt behind Nick Chubb and you got Case Keenum behind Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, that bodes well for the depth that they're starting to build here. It sure does. And it's a great relief to have a front office that doesn't have to look in a panic to fill uh, gaping holes in their uh, in their roster, oh my God, we need a quarterback. We need a left tackle. We're doomed, you know. And you have to get him in the draft. You have to get him in free agency. This team can look ahead a couple of years at the salary cap decisions that they're going to have to make, and uh, you know, one hopes uh, prepare adequately for those decisions. And they've got some cupping on that offensive line, as you referred to, Fred, uh, with uh, Treader and Teller, uh, especially. Uh, coming up here uh, in the very near term. Uh, Treader, a name that has been suggested as a potential postseason cut. Uh, Teller, a guy that uh, is going to demand big, big money, and you have to decide how much of that money to put into the offensive line. Um, Let's go to item number four. Again, not a major item because there's not a lot of news these days, but uh, Miles Garrett uh, appeared in the Vegas betting lines this week. Uh, close behind Aaron Donald for the Defensive Player of the Year, uh, even being close to Donald, given what he's done in this league the last couple of years, is uh, of note. Uh, and uh, you know, others like T.J. Watt and and the rest uh, are just way way behind uh, those two. Uh, if you were a betting man, Fred. Uh, would you throw down some shekels on Garrett coming away with the Defensive Player of the Year award? Uh, why or why not? Well, it's an in- interesting conversation, you know, and, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm cutting on Miles Garrett, but since he came into the league, he's talked about how he's, you know, want, is going to be Defensive Player of the Year and the best player to ever play the game. Those are lofty goals, and he's played very well. So don't don't let me sound like I'm criticizing, but it's time for him to do that, to dominate a game. Um, He has had flashes of brilliance, but there's been times when he hasn't shown up. Now, I don't know. Last year, there's a little bit with the COVID thing, but he's going to have Jadavian Clowney and Tack McKinley and a couple other guys on the inside with Billings and and Malik Jackson and maybe some of these guys they brought in in the draft and free agency that can really help him. And the secondary should be really, really upgraded and good. It's time for him to really 
go and push for 20 sacks this year and be a disruptor and a game changer. The biggest game changes he was doing last year was early in the season. He kept strip sacking the quarterback and those were game changing plays. He started to do that. And then it tailed off as the season. I'd like to see the whole season like that where the guy is just the dominant force. We all know he's got the talent. We all know everything's there. And if you have the pieces around him, he ought to be able to flourish because they can't double and triple team him every down. If you got Jadavian Clowning going in unscathed on the opposite side or, or, and John Johnson and, and Grant Delpit and, you know, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, all those guys locking down the receivers. So, you know, that's, that's, where I see, I think that he's, he's had injuries. He's been sidelined and those things happen, but it's time for him to put all that aside, have a completely healthy season, go out there and dominate. That's what's going to take because Aaron Donald, I, he's always out there and, and he's always making plays and he's going to be hard to unseat, but Garrett, if he stays on the field, there's no reason he shouldn't. So I I think yeah he's definitely one or two I I don't know if he's a shoe in but he's worth you know taking the odds and betting because you know there's not many that have that ability or talent. I think you're muted, unless I lost the sound. Yes, the dog was barking, and uh, so I muted myself. At any rate, I'm remembering back to a few years ago. Uh, when J.J. Watt was at the peak of his powers and the Browns played the Texans. And Watt was totally dominant in that game. You had to worry about him every down. He was constantly harassing the quarterback. He uh, completely changed the outcome of that game. And that is what you expect from a Miles Garrett this year, that every single play or nearly every single play he is going to cause a great deal of stress uh, for the opposing offense. And J.J. Uh, Watt was capable of doing it back in the day. Miles Garrett should be capable of doing it as well. News item number five, Grant Delpit spoke to the media last week about his recovery and his health, stating that he should be healthy by training camp. And that would be just in time for a neat camp battle with Ronnie Harrison uh, for a starting job at safety. Fred, do you see that battle sort of, you know, being a big deal? Or with the way that Woods runs his defense, would you potentially see all three guys as, you know, getting tons of reps and uh, essentially looking almost like three starters in the defensive backfield? Yeah, I see him running three safeties, you know, a lot. And, and uh, maybe even starting all three. And I think the great thing... The silver lining, there's no silver lining to an injury like that, especially for a high-value rookie, though, is that they went out and got John Johnson, and they have Ronnie Harrison, and so you're not just hoping Delpit can come back 100%. you got two guys already that, that are there, and you don't have to throw him into the fire. He didn't get any experience last year, so you can bring him along. If he's ready to go, he's ready to go. But when you got two veterans back there, then it's much easier to bring him in to see what he, you know, to see what he can handle. And I fully expect him to be the starter. You don't draft a guy, you know, where he was drafted to to not play. So I see all three of those guys. Um, I think they'll play four. They need more safeties. If you're going to play three, um, I don't know if LeCount will be ready to go. Um, or Sheldrick Redwine, I see him having a tough time making the team just because right. last year I, they didn't use him when they could have used him. I don't think he fits the physical size that Joe Woods wants because, you know, I saw him bouncing off quarterbacks on, on blitzes where he didn't even get blocked. And so right. that's not what you want. And so, yeah, I think Delpit, if he's not starting – he'll be the third, the third safety starting. And 
And I think that bodes well. Same way with cornerback. Instead of counting on Greedy Williams to be all the way back, you go get Greg Newsom. So now you have Troy Hill, Greg Newsom, Denzel Ward, and Greedy Williams plays what you think. You got a major bonus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's all my news items that I brought with me for this week. We now get into questions uh, from the audience. Uh, we have a bunch of questions we brought with us from Ask the Insiders. And... Uh, People can forestall me talking about my recent vacation by asking more questions in the YouTube channel. Uh, just note that I am fully aware, uh, fully uh, 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 prepared to talk about every single meal that I ate while on vacation. So, Spare us, folks. Send us some <laughs> questions. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's all up to you to save the world from uh, hearing me talk about fried chicken. Well, let's go into some of the uh, uh, ATI questions. Uh, Alcaldra493 writes, with Greedy and Delpit at OTAs today, is that a good sign that they are near or ready to go? So, uh, obviously, we weren't able to watch OTAs today. Uh, we get to do that tomorrow. Uh, but um, what do you think that, uh, that portends, uh, Fred? I think it's obviously a positive. I mean, it's better not having them out on the field. Um, you know, as far as no contact, things like that. I saw Greedy Williams, you know, after his injury out there practicing, but he couldn't use his arm. Right. I'm anxious to see him using his arm. He's not going to tackle, but, you know, to see catching balls and moving around, you know, with that shoulder movement, um, the, you know, Many times we go out to those after like a day to day and some of those guys won't be on the field because those are the days they keep them inside. So we can't see what they're doing. No conspiracies mm -hmm. here, but right. yeah, when I'm out there tomorrow, I expect to see and try to get some video of these guys running around and at least, you know, seeing how they look. But yeah, I think it, it's a positive Del Pitt last week when we talked to him, the one thing that, that, I'm sure he was programmed to, by the PR and the coaches to just say he's on track to be ready for uh, training camp or the first game. I can't even remember what he said. I think training camp. I think he's ready now. He said he ran 18 miles an hour on the treadmill. I think that's pretty fast. That, that's out running a car in the school zone. Right. And and uh, so I think I think he's you know his injury was severe but it was august 24th same day as greedy williams and so he's had 10 months i had talked to some guys that were close to him during the season well during the playoffs and they said that he was way ahead of schedule then and so i expect him i, I want to see him running around but i think he wouldn't even be out on the field neither of them if they weren't close you know because they don't want to take any chances you know with a guy right. cutting wrong and tearing an, an ACL or something like that now. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, you're going to have a lot to watch out there, Fred. Uh, hopefully they put you close enough to the action where you can actually see, you know, what's going on with the wide receivers and uh, the cornerbacks uh, to see if we can get a little bit more sense of whether uh, Williams is ready. Uh, another from A. Calder, 493 in ATI. He asked, why has no one signed Sheldon Richardson yet? Is that a money thing or a fit thing for Richardson? I've got some thoughts on this, but I'll let you uh, hack away at that one first, Fred. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not privy, but I have to think there was some discussions with the Browns about restructuring his contract or kind of what they did with Olivier Vernon where he was $15 million unguaranteed. Would you take you know, 11 million guaranteed. And we know Vernon took it. Richardson, if they did have those talks, obviously they didn't come to fruition. He still thought he could get, you know, more money, you know, out there on the open market. And so far, yeah. There's also a thing when a guy's 31, 32, you don't sign until training camp if you have things lined up. So you don't mm -hmm. have to go through these off-season programs and so forth. He's going to have an idea if he has a market. 
and where he wants to go. And he probably has a pretty good idea that he could come back to the Browns at a certain price. And so right. I'm sure he's shopping it or his agent shopping it to see if he can do a little better or get on a team that has a chance to get to the playoffs and maybe comparable money. I think that's what it always comes down to is money. And if he's looking for the last dollar, you'll see him go to a team that's maybe not very good. If he's looking for a playoff team, he might, you know, take less money and come in and be a part of it. Yeah, uh, I I think part of the reason was that uh, Richardson was not available at the start of free agency. Uh, they cut him uh, a little bit later on, and at this point in free agency, a lot of the money's been spent. You know, you're not going to get a very big contract. There's a lot of teams that are tied up against the salary cap already. And I think that limits the market for someone like Richardson. I agree with you that if he signs, it's probably going to be closer to training camp. Uh, and, uh, you know, could be with the Browns, could be with another team. But uh, he had a great season last year, or, or a good season last year. And uh, if he could pull off, you know, 80% of that again uh, this next year, uh, he would be uh, a positive addition to a lot of, a lot of NFL clubs. Let's, well, he uh, was the he was the biggest, you know, to me, surprise or I wouldn't say disappointment. It was just the timing of it. I realized by waiting till the end, you kind of, like you said, the market had dried up, and um, but I just didn't understand why they even needed to make that move right before the draft. I know he wanted to free up salary cap, but you still have that same salary cap sitting there. You know, they haven't really spent it. And so it seemed like once you had some guys you signed, then you cut them. But they chose to do it then. I mean, and the the number of defensive tackles they brought in kind of leads me to believe that they've moved on from him. I mean, you you spent a lot of money bringing Marvin Wilson. You got Damian Square as kind of that, you know, veteran guy to step in and plug a hole like Vincent Taylor. And then you got Tommy Togiai. So, you know, it hasn't like they've been they've been uh, idle. So I think the ball's in his court. You know, if he wants to come back, but so many times guys when they leave just can't put the pride aside and come back for less money, and they'll take the same offer somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. You see that all the time. Uh, let's go to uh, our chat room uh, where Chris Thomas asked a question before this all started, uh, asking where we saw. Rookie uh, Tommy Togiai and Marvin Wilson fitting in with the Browns this year. Uh, any thoughts in terms of defensive tackles where uh, those guys are going to wind up being slotted? Well, I think, obviously, Togiai is a guy that they they um, targeted to develop. I think he might be like Jordan Elliott. You know, last year, Elliott didn't play a whole lot, but he was in the rotation every game and getting getting some spot time. I think a lot of it depends on how he plays. And I I believe that his second year would be more the year they're grooming him for. But again, you're developing depth because, you know, prior to even getting rid of Richardson, he was in the last year of his deal. Billings is on a one-year deal. Malik Jackson has a voidable deal, and he's in his 30s. Um, Mm -hmm. the only young guy you have is Jordan Elliott before you drafted Togiai and then you signed Marvin Wilson and, and then you took a flyer on Malik McDowell. And, uh, and so I think that he has a chance to get in the rotation. Um, it just depends on how he plays. I think he could be, you know, a run stopper. I think he can be a long-term you know, player in the in the equation on the inside. And so I was glad to see that they addressed the interior because it was getting very thin. And that might have been also with Richardson, hey, we gotta we gotta address this and let's get some young blood in here. And because mm-hmm. the way they went after Marvin Wilson, I know that he was projected by some this year to be a fifth round pick. They signed him to I think the most money to an undrafted rookie. I think he has a chance to also be developed. My biggest knock on him is he wears number 21. 
you know, as a big ugly, you know, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, I watched a video of him the other day. I go, who's, who's 21. He doesn't right. look like a running back, but anyway, or a safety. But so I think, I think if they can hit on one of those two, they'll be in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Elliot, uh, Togia and Wilson really look like the core of the future, uh, interior defensive line for the Browns. Uh, with some of these other guys, as you mentioned, uh, sticking around for this year, but maybe not for 2022 or 2023. Um, Marvin Wilson, I just have to say, if you look at this morning's Newswire, I have a video clip of uh, Marvin Wilson seemingly throwing around a 360-pound Mekhi Becton uh, from a couple of years ago, and uh, really pretty impressive. You I know, saw that, the, and I think that there's no question he's if he can be motivated. Whatever caused him to drop last year, his production or whatever, I know there were some draft people talking about him in the first round, maybe even top ten or fifteen a year mm -hmm. ago, before right. the season. So, you you got to just push the buttons to unleash whatever he's got, and uh, you know hopefully that Stefanski and staff can do so because. If you if you hit on him, that could be that could go long long term, you know, in your future. If you could get a guy, you know, a young Sheldon Richardson or something like that that you have for a long time. So between Wilson, Togiai, Jordan Elliott, um, and what if you hit on Malik McDowell, a guy a first round talent who who got off track and hasn't mm -hmm. played in the NFL. They just took a right. flyer on him. I'll tell you one thing. He caught my eye in the rookie minicamp. He's about a foot taller than most of those guys. He's big, and he's not yeah. heavy. He's lean, and so I'm kind of anxious to see him too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, loved him in, in college. Obviously, uh, things did not go well for him after being drafted. But that sort of leads us to the next question from Ronald Volmar, and he asks, could the Browns' defense be divided 10-5-10 uh, with, uh, you know, 10 defensive linemen, five linebackers, 10 uh, defensive secondary, with six defensive tackles and four edge rushers? Um, and he, he makes a point there that some of the, the ends can play inside, some of the defensive tackles can play outside. Do you see that, uh, you know, the, the – just keeping four edge rushers and going with six defensive tackles, Fred? Uh, you know, I haven't broken down the roster yet, but as far as um, it sounds reasonable, but I think it's going to come down to they're going to have some tough decisions. And a guy like Porter Gustin, you know, the way I look at it right now, you got Garrett, Clowney, Tacharis McKinley, and then you have Curtis Weaver, who they're real high on, is probably the fourth going into camp. And then you got Porter Gustin, who started a lot last year, is mm -hmm. the fifth. I don't know if they would want to go that lean. Sheldon Richardson could play defensive end, and so he's not here. Um, I think I think Clowney can go inside. McKinley might be able to go inside. But I think it's just going to come down to, okay, not so much edge or defensive tackle. Who's a better player? You know, the best players I think they'll keep. If they think that the fifth edge is more valuable than the fifth defensive tackle, you know, mm -hmm. that will come into play there as well. Because, you know, they're going to put guys on practice squad, but you can lose guys on the practice squad. And so if you want to develop guys, you have to keep them on the roster unless they're really – you're 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 pretty sure nobody's going to snatch them. Yeah, this roster is uh, has enough quality and enough depth that other teams are going to be circling like vultures, you know, for those final cutdowns uh, to see if they might be able to snag some talent. Now uh, they finished the, the year team. last year with four guys edge rushers on the roster, mm -hmm. um, but I think part of that was due to injury and so forth. But as far as yeah, I think that I. Th think they would probably want to have maybe five but who knows we will uh, we will find out as this all develops um another uh, defensive line question comes from a culture 493 
He says, do you think when it gets near the middle of the season, the Browns could re-sign Olivier Vernon or that he would even want to re-sign with them uh, after his injury? Obviously, uh, had a pretty good uh, latter part of the season until he got hurt last year. Uh, and if he fully recovers, uh, could be an asset to the team. I think he's an option. I think he's on good terms with the Browns. Andrew Barry, you know, talked about him and his rehab earlier in the off season and said they, they had a long talk with him. So I, I don't know where he is on his rehab. He's obviously a free agent. But when you have a, when you're 32, I think is what he is. And you tear your ACL, you know, that's not, you know, Hey, a lot of free agent people lining up to see him. And mm -hmm. so I would have to think they would have talked to him thinking that if they could get him in the second half or the stretch drive and say, Hey, stay here in Cleveland. We'd like to, you know, if you're, if you're rehabbing, you know, well, and you could step in at the end of the year fresh, you know, and give us a jolt for the last quarter of the season or even the playoffs. I think that would be a, that would be, um, you know, an option that, you don't have too many former Pro Bowl guys with nine sacks available, you know, right. fresh in November, December. So I have to think that that's been discussed with Andrew Barry, but, you know, we're not going to know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not privy to his status. And because he's not with the Browns, he's not really rehabbing under their doctors. And mm -hmm. I don't think they have the latest, but I, I, Everything I've heard, they're on good terms with him. And why wouldn't he? He's here. He already knows everything. And the Browns would be more willing, I think, to take a chance on him, you know, just to step in in the middle of late of the season. Right, right. No, it makes total sense. Uh, next question comes from Tag22, uh, who asked early in the broadcast, uh, he said, it's this late in the offseason, but in your opinion, uh, what's the likelihood that they sign a cornerback, and if so, who? So do you see a signing of a cornerback, uh, as presumably a veteran, uh, happening you know, over the course of the next couple months? Well, I, I do. I, I don't know how valuable or how high value of a free agent he could be. You know, last year they brought in MJ Stewart, who – not too many, you know, he was a second round pick that had kind of not done anything. He was, mm -hmm. they brought him in, in training camp. So those guys, there's, there's a list of guys out there. I mean, Steven Nelson's still there. Brian Poole's still there, but there's probably a reason they probably still want big money. I see mm -hmm. a guy coming in one year deal, prove it deal. And if you look all things being equal, they have their top four cornerbacks in Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome. Troy Hill and Greedy Williams. Now, if Greedy Williams isn't healthy, all of a sudden that changes. Now you could bring in another guy. You lost, you know, two guys from last year that played a lot, Kevin Johnson and Terrence Mitchell. You brought in, you know, Troy Hill and Greg Newsome. So, yeah, I think they would like to have a little more depth there, but I don't think they're going to break the bank at, at that position because they're going to give a lot of money here to, to, um, Denzel Ward, and mm -hmm. they still have a lot of money going to Greg Newsom, Troy Hill, a free agent. So, yeah, there's going to be guys out there that are going, are you kidding me? Nobody signed me. All right, I'll come in, try to prove what I can do. There's always those guys out there, and uh, I think it'll just be who they feel is the fit, you know, is it at slide or on the outside? Right, right. Uh, do like the notion of uh... – the Browns inquiring about Nelson, that's for sure. Um, let's go next to a question from Chris Thomas. Uh, he asked, who do you feel are going to be the biggest names cut before the beginning of the season? Uh, I can think of a couple. Fred, uh, who do you think is going to be a big name cut before the, the season begins? Well, it depends on how you view big names, but mm -hmm. you know, without looking too much at the roster – Right off the top, what jumps at me is Mac Wilson. I mentioned right. it earlier. Um, he didn't have a very good year last year. He, you know, he had that injury in training camp, and everybody thought, "Oh, woe's us." He's going to have a great season. I don't know how much that contributed to it, but Sion Taki Taki kind of emerged and passed him. I think. 
Um, mm-hmm. So on defensive side, they brought in 17 new defensive players. And 11, I think, can be starters or rotation players. So that's going to push your your starters from last year down the list to backups and special teams guys. So, you know, just looking off the top of my head, I think, you know, a guy like Joe Jackson, not a big name. I think he might have trouble making it. Um, Porter Gustin could be another. Um, I don't know, Malcolm Smith, they brought him back. But, you know, when they got two young linebackers this year in the draft, they may choose to move on from him. Uh, Red Wine, Sheldrick Red Wine is one that I think is in danger. Uh, they got to have some special teams, guys. So that's where it's going to come down to. I think Dearness Johnson could be in trouble, even though I liked mm-hmm. him. He he played pretty well as the third back. I think right. Demetric Felton could be more of a Duke Johnson. Re- one draft guide, I think it was Dane Brugor, listed him as the 26th best wide receiver in the draft. And the Browns draft him as a running back. And another uh, uh, draft digest had him as like the 30th best running back. So they want versatility. And if he can do a little more than Johnson, he might push him off the, the list. Um, I don't know about wide receiver. You got Anthony Schwartz. Is that going to push Kadero Hodge off the off the list? Is that going to push, you know, I don't think it's going to do anything with Rashard Higgins or Donovan Beeples-Jones. Um, so that's going to change it. Offensive line, Chris Hubbard, as valuable as he was last year, if in training camp Bill Callahan says, you know, Drew Forbes can play that role right now or James Hudson could play that role right now, or one of the guys like Blake Hance or uh, Michael Dunn that emerged late last year, maybe they'll move on from Hubbard's $4.8 million salary. I don't know. But those are just some of the names. I'm not saying that they're going to cut them all. But I think this roster is going to be – is already largely set. I said before the draft there wasn't room for nine drafted rookies to make the team. They traded right. a couple of the picks and I think drafted six or seven. I don't I don't know. When you draft a guy, it means you like him a lot or you wouldn't have drafted him. Mm-hmm. And how many spots are there? So that means there's going to be guys you're familiar with that they're going to move on from. So this might be the most surprising training camp roster cut decisions. And you could see it, it get – near that time that Andrew Barry's trading veterans away for next year draft picks for fifth round or sixth round or just to get something for a player with value. All right. Um, so Fred Greetham names names. There's a lot of uh, guys who are on the bubble and going to have to show up during training camp in order to uh, earn a spot this year. Uh, Shruni asked in Ask the Insiders, was Miles Garrett showing up today saying that this is his defense? Looked like a lot of bubble players showed any surprise appearances to you. We've already discussed the latter part of that. But do you think this was a statement at all by Miles Garrett, or do you think he was just enthusiastic to get back on the field? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that I think he's very grateful to the organization to get that mega contract. And I think this is really he got it in training camp or just before training camp last year. And, and I think that he's, you know, eager to get out there, show his appreciation. I don't know, you know, I haven't talked to him. We didn't get a chance to, to see, you know, why he came, but um, I think, yeah, I think that he's excited what they did on the defense. I said Mm -hmm. last year, there was only really two guys you could build on on the defense, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Sheldon Richardson, I thought, was the third best. Well, that tells you about the rest of the the defense. And they moved on from Richardson. I have talked to people that said his film wasn't that great. Um, I thought he played pretty well. But talking about Garrett and Ward, he has to look and say, wow, he brought in Jadavian Clowney, a former number one pick to play opposite me. 
They brought in all these secondary guys, which is going to make your defensive line look a lot better because mm -hmm. last year they might as well had Barry and I out there covering because they couldn't stay with the guys. Just think of that Steeler game that in the playoffs, Roethlisberger threw 68 times and our defensive backs were Greg Williams-ish. They were 15 yards off the ball and they knew every play they were throwing it to the flanker you know it's just like mm -hmm. hike throw it to the flanker you get six eight yards hike throw it to the flanker six eight yards. so now they have guys that can go up and press and cover and i think he's just excited and i think he's also grateful to the organization that makes sense to me uh that uh you know i i don't know if he's going to get on the zoom tomorrow it would be an interesting question to ask him uh, barry if about... you give me 125 million i will show up Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll do uh, it for one million. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I can afford that, we'll uh, we'll make that happen. Uh, right. Jen of the the Jen of the sheep asks if I have a slideshow to accompany the holiday section at the end. Uh, I do not. Uh, I forgot to make slides, but I do have my wife's Facebook page that I can screen share. So uh, that is your warning that that might be coming. Uh, but he goes on to ask, salary cap next year will see a $30 million bump. So why are we carrying $20 million cap space at this moment? Any thoughts on that, Fred? Well, yeah, I don't know the inner workings, but I mentioned Sheldon Richardson. Pretty much since they cut him, they went you know, to around $20 million. And I looked the other day over cap, had them at the fourth most salary cap. I don't know if Andrew Barry just likes to see the Browns always up at the top of that list because, yeah, they have they have some signings to make, but until you make them, I don't, I don't know why you have to have that right now. Um, it will bode well for the extensions, but mm -hmm. that, that's, that's, again, the curiosity of why they had to move Richardson before the draft. That's, you know, unless right. he asked to be released – before the draft so he could catch on with somebody before they drafted a guy or if they added a need or whatever, but he still didn't sign with somebody. So don't know. Good question. Yeah. My, I, when they cut Richardson, my first thought was contract extensions for Chubb and, uh, uh, and Teller. That's what they were saving money for. We will find out. We will find out. Greg Sweeney asked, could, Curtis Weaver play today, and does he make the team? Uh, two good questions. We've sort of touched on that a little bit earlier. Uh, do we know anything about uh, Weaver's current status, Fred? Everything we've heard is that he is he is in great shape. He's transformed his body. You know, he the knock on him was physicality and strength, and and. Uh, you know, Andrew Barry said that he has reshaped his body and, and is everything they want. That's one of the things I was told they liked him a lot in the draft last year. Take that for what it's worth. They didn't take him, but the Dolphins took him in the fifth round and they tried to get him through waivers with a toe injury and stash him. And the Browns claimed him, put him on injury reserve, spent the year on injury reserve partly so they could work on reshaping his body. And by all means, I think that that is part of the reason I really think nobody told me this, but I think that is part of the reason they didn't take an edge rusher in the draft. And other than, and they got the two veterans on one year deals in Clowney and McKinley, they think he really could be something. Now, I don't know that at all. Tomorrow, if he's on the field, will be the first time I've seen him out on the field because he wasn't even here last year right? And, except rehabbing, and so he was never available to us. We never saw him on the field. So I think that they feel that he can play. He has no experience, obviously, missing the year, but I think he makes the team. I think they feel that high about him. Yeah, very intriguing wild card at that position. Uh, and uh, part of the reason Porter Gustin uh, will need to show up in training camp uh, is uh, making this team getting a lot harder uh, for him. Uh, great question from Walt Stillwell. Uh, he asked, could JOK's versatility allow the Browns to carry only four safeties? 
They could use Stewart as a backup free safety in a pinch. Uh, interesting question. I, I, I think I see JOK as a fast linebacker, but uh, uh, he could potentially play safeties. He's a bit of a hybrid. Uh, any thoughts on that, Fred? Well, he's quite versatile, and they want versatility. That's all they talk about. Um, yeah, I think anything's possible. I think, you know, with Delpit, Harrison, and Johnson, you're three. They drafted a count for a reason. I think he's going to be around somewhere. And so he could be the four. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know if they would keep more than that. I think they definitely would on the practice squad. I think the wild cards are the kids they had last year. They had two undrafted guys they kept all year that were going up and down, Javante Moffitt and Elijah mm-hmm. Benton, um, what they think of them. But I think the versatility allows them to be creative, you know, and, and if he's playing two safeties, you know, you could you could use JOK both as – you know, a sideline to sideline linebacker, but also do some things as safety does. I think they they call it cross training, but I, as a rookie, I see them spending almost all his time in the linebacker room. All right. Uh, one more question out of the chat room. This comes from Mike. He says, does A.J. Green make the team off the practice squad considering a 2-5 defense? What are your thoughts on uh, on that, Fred? Yeah, they liked him a lot last year. I never really got to see him do much because he was one of those I talked about. They had no preseason games and they only had training camp and they were spending all their time getting the starters ready for the season. And so you'd see him out there, you know, with the second, third, fourth team defense, but you really, nothing really stood out. I mean, wow, AJ green, you know, it was, Mm -hmm. you know, he was a rookie trying to learn his way. They liked him a lot, gave him a lot of money to come here. I think 140000 guaranteed. I see him having a chance to be the fifth cornerback, being the guy, you know, in sub-nickel and different packages. But he's going to have to show in training camp because of the top four guys. There's going to be a lot of competition, you know, to make the team there. And, I, again, he might end up on the practice squad if he doesn't make the team. Um, but it's it's – Last year, that really hurt those guys because they didn't get any experience. Even if it's preseason, it's kind of game experience. So a guy like him never really got on. He he was active for, I think, a game during COVID. I, I don't even know if he played other than a couple of plays on special teams. So a lot of these guys are going to make it or break it on their special teams because they got rid of guys like Tay Davis Tavier Thomas, guys that were core special teams players. So they're expecting some of these bottom of the roster guys to step up and be special teams guys. All right. I'm going to squeeze one more question in here. This comes from Florida Dog out of ATI. He says, with some teams doing OTAs with good turnouts, will those teams that don't hold them be at a disadvantage? Uh, Also, does anyone really believe the first five games last season were at top level or more of practice pregame levels. I myself felt the first five games were subpar performances. So you get teams like the Dolphins, who have tons of guys showing up for these OTAs. The Browns have a uh, smaller group. Uh, and Jen of the Sheep asked a similar question, sort of talking about the benefits of one-to-one or one-to-three coaching if you have a smaller group of players, whether that sort of outweighs the advantage of having the, the ton of players there. Um, do you see a team like the Dolphins having an advantage over the Browns because they've got more guys in, in OTAs? No, not really. I mean, it's, you know, I think these coaches would practice every day of the year if they could. That's just what they do. I think there's a lot of validity to what Treader said. I mean, um, I don't think you need all this stuff. I mean, the old, the Jim Brown era, they just showed up and played six, they did six weeks of training camp and preseason games and kind of played themselves into shape. I think with training camp this year and even three preseason games, they're going to have plenty of time to get themselves put together. It hurts the young guys. It hurts the end of the roster guys. Um, <clears throat> teams with new coaching staffs, I think it's it will benefit them. But the Browns do have the continuity of everybody on the coaching staff and everybody – 
you know, that start in an offense returning and, and, and the defense is really where they, you know, need it. So I'm looking more on the defensive side, but I really don't think it's going to make that big a difference. You know, the teams that look good in June, really, it doesn't matter a whole lot when it gets to even September, October, it's more how you're playing in December and January that matters. Yeah, absolutely. I remember a, uh, I believe it was a Hugh Jackson undefeated preseason uh, that uh, painfully did not carry forward to the regular season. Um, and that pretty much is it. That's our hour. Thank you, everybody, for all the questions coming out of the chat room and in ATI. Uh, we'll try to get the answers uh, to everybody in ATI whose questions that we, uh, we responded to tonight. And appreciate you showing up. And please hit that subscribe button. Uh, and uh, make sure that you are made aware of all the stuff which is happening on the OBR YouTube channel. Thanks a bunch for attending. We will see you next week. So long, everybody. Thank you.